0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Style That Binds Us podcast. If you are joining us for the first time, my name is Delia Folk, and I previously worked on the buying team at Barneys, New York. And my mom, Allison Brune, is an in-demand national wardrobe consultant. We are the co-hosts for this podcast. Our mission is to give access to the often closed, exclusive, and insular fashion industry. In the podcast, we interview movers and shakers in the fashion, beauty, jewelry, art, and entrepreneurial space. We want you to walk away having learned something, feeling inspired and confident. You belong with us and we are better because you are here. We hope you enjoy. Today, we are with Monica Sordo of her eponymous jewelry line. And I'm so excited to be with her today. She grew up in Venezuela Yes, and was surrounded by the materials used in her jewelry in her father's design workshop and she went to school for fashion styling in Milan and worked at Marie Claire Spain as a fashion editor and then also in PR at Christian Louboutin and also has founded her own jewelry line. So we have <laughs> so much to talk about today. I'm so excited. I immediately fell in love with her pieces and her when we first met and she presented the collection to me so you have such a beautiful accent let's talk about growing up in Venezuela what was that like?
1: Uh, It was fantastic I actually miss it a lot and uh, it's definitely a lot of inspiration into my jewelry come from like my background no Um, I was born and raised in Caracas Um, I live in Caracas until I was nine years old and actually when I was nine years old I moved to Puerto La Cruz which is a beautiful beach town Um, yeah it's like you know, we used to say, my mom says, we used to be so happy and we didn't realize it until now. Like, my lifestyle was like being in the beach every weekend and, uh, you know, all my activities were like water activities. And, you know, I, I miss that now that I'm in the city and it's so so hard. But, uh, yes, it's a beautiful country. It's a very lush country. Um, I love nature. Uh, and most importantly, one of the things that really... Are one of my main inspirations till nowadays is the architecture in Venezuela. Mm-hmm. Um, Venezuela in the 60s uh, was a very, very important. Let's say the modernism arrived through that to Latin America through Venezuela and through Brazil. So nowadays, even with the whole economic situation and everything that is going on in the country, unfortunately, the architecture is still there. So it's it's just so so beautiful um you know we were for me was like my day today. so I think it's something that I appreciate more now Mm -hmm. um that I'm not there but um I don't know we have like a lot of cinematic art uh from like Cruz Diaz and Soto which are really big artists they have done like some of the stores for Prada and like um you've seen his work around but it was like our playground like you know back in the day so it's like I think architecture it's like something that I'm really really close uh, uh, when I think about venezuelano mm-hmm.
0: okay so were you always an entrepreneur at heart did you grow up saying one day I want to start my own brand
1: uh, honestly on a way I will say my first time I will say no but it's actually a yes you know because <laughs> um, yeah you know because you don't realize it like but when I was a kid, I loved playing the office and like I was the boss and I like everyone would be playing with Barbies and the dolls and like other kids and I was like putting together an office in my house and like playing with my mom high heels and like my father's um briefcase uh so I think like that was like a first you know I my parents should have realized that uh uh so you know I ended up going to university and I really wanted to work in fashion. So I started working as an editor, but everyone, everyone, all my bosses that, well, all the, all the people that I worked with that really got to know me, um, you know, at a more personal level always told me that I had like their entrepreneur, like they could see me doing something on my own, Mm -hmm. but I was really stubborn at the beginning, you know, but it took me, it took me a little time. Um, to realize that this is what I really wanted to do. So, you know, it's like, yes or no kind of answer, yeah.
0: Okay, so I love that you've been an editor, worked in PR, and also an entrepreneur, jewelry designer. So walk me through your career journey and kind of how each role came about.
1: I think it's really, I will say now I was capable to put Monica Sordo together by myself thanks to all that experience yeah you definitely know? And i think that's that's really important especially for like young designers out there or like anyone not just young designer everyone that want to start like you know an, um, a new journey as an entrepreneur it's like our previous experience is really important yeah. no so knowing how a magazine works and how being an editor uh, feels like and what are the needs of an editor um i think that was really important um, on how I deal like with the whole press mm-hmm. um, as Monica Sordo and of course being at Christian besides the opportunity to meet so much people here in New York it was really good to understand I mean my PR um, system to call it that way here in the in in our offices works exactly as I learned in Labotan. Yeah. Like you know normally people like you know it may be something that you take care of Later. Right. Uh, when you're starting a business but for us was something that immediately was you know yeah. working as so it was it was such an amazing um, such an amazing learning experience so yeah I graduated as you mentioned in Milano as, mm-hmm. um, from fashion styling I went to Marangoni and I also did fashion merchandising so my dream my dream my biggest dream was to become a fashion editor No, but and you yeah. did it I did it but now I did this Wow. <laughs> yeah well, yeah. <laughs> yeah no it's really it's really interesting No, so I was obsessed with that idea it was beautiful I mean again uh, I learned so much and like I was in Medicare I was actually in charge at some point of like the whole accessorize um, department so you know I think that maybe it's where like my interest in jewelry um, was born for Mm -hmm. for the first time Um, so so yes I moved to New York uh, to pursue the dream of being an editor but it didn't happen. <laughs> uh, so I ended up working at Christian Laboutin, which again, it was it was amazing. And you know, one thing led to the other and a sixth sense taught me like I yeah, I like for the first time I felt like this drive to design as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I never went to design school. Right. Um, so I'm a self-taught designer. Okay. I'm a self-taught designer. Um, and nothing. Uh, yeah, it's all it's all definitely, it's all definitely. Um, help me grow my business mm-hmm. in like, a very like healthy way. Yeah.
0: Okay, so what does the life of a fashion editor look like? What was your day to day? What were your boxes. responsibilities? A lot of boxes, <laughs> a lot
1: of garment bags. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was, it, it, it was, it's like I think like people see the fashion industry and they feel like it's so glamorous. Right. And it is. I mean, you get to meet very talented people, you get to discover so much creativity out right. right there, no? And like, yes, you get to travel and you get to go to all the shows and um, events, but there's also a lot of work behind it, no? Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes, like, even here as Monica Sordo, but starting from Marie Claire, when I was working, I mean, I started as an um, editor assistant and then I became the accessorized editor. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a lot of boxes. It's still today in my life, it's a lot of boxes. Um... You know, it's a a lot of it's a lot of hard work, you know, you have to find a balance and you have to to uh, to compromise that. But one of the things that I love the most about being a fashion editor was to really be able to share time with so many creative Mm -hmm. in the field, you know, not just other editors. Uh, but also designers, obviously photographers, other stylists, other editors. You know, I love, and that's another thing that um, I think uh, reflects a lot in my work today. For example, when we do our campaigns, I do all the creative direction, and, like, you know, it reminds me to when I used to be an editor, so I really, really love, like, when is the time to shoot my campaign? I get so excited, and I I, I get to play again that I'm an editor (laughs) or a stylist. So... um, so yeah and I love I love teamwork so I think that's something that I really enjoy um as an editor and like reflects also in my work as a as Monica Sordo as a designer and also as a creative director behind everything else that Mm -hmm. is um uh, besides the jewelry you know so so yes I mean I I love I love sharing uh with other talents that's one of the things that I love the most about what I do yeah. yeah
0: and then so what is it like putting together a story or a magazine issue how do you find the brands and the pieces to select that go into that story
1: well it's it was different times I used to be an editor it was 2005 uh so there was no Instagram uh you know so it's it was different times like, okay. I feel like nowadays um you get to discover a lot of people right. not easily but you know it's like it's globalization no? yeah so <clears throat> at the time you really had to move yourself around like you know oh, yeah. and I like, go to all the presentations and right. like, I think traveling to like you know traveling constantly was like a, a very important like way to like discover new time. Right. and um yes yeah, like putting a story together and that's something that I still enjoy today again going back to like shooting my campaign a uh, lot of research no, know and I think one of the things that inspired me the most at the time to create an editorial and now to create a collection, precisely, it's like traveling. Like, I love I love being in constant movement and I think I find inspiration in everything I see and like, you know, it's like a melting pot of experience. Like, sometimes you are like putting an editorial together or designing a piece of jewelry and you don't realize where the inspiration was coming from until mm-hmm. like, it's ready. You're like, oh... Now I remember I went to this exhibit and now I remember I saw these artists and now I remember like 10 years ago when I was like, you know, so it's, I think it's like, a, it's, it, it comes from like a melting pot of, right. like melting pot of experiences. Yeah. 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 Okay. So what is it like working in PR at Christian Louboutin? It was He is an amazing human being. I'm
0: wearing his shoes, by the way. Somehow it just happened with the red soles and
1: everything. (laughs) Perfect. It was a really good time to join the team because uh, this was 2009. They were just starting to open their stores in the U.S. Um, They had already their boutique in New York. They just opened uh, Beverly Hills. They were opening Vegas, if I don't mistake. So it was a really exciting time because, you know, they were landing in the US right. and growing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was very exciting. It was growing very fast. And again, I was a fashion, um, sorry, I was um, a PR assistant, but my hands were like all over the place, you mm-hmm. know, like we could, we, we, it, it was a very small office that was growing, you know. Yeah. So like, I touch a little bit. I learned a lot about wholesale as well. Right. Uh, I think I heard the word "Market Week" for the first time when I was in Christian Louboutin. It was yeah. like, "Market Week," and all these boxes were coming, <laughs> and there were like a thousand different uh, SKUs. Like I've never oh seen so many, yeah. so many styles in my life and colors <laughs> and leathers. So right. it was funny because I wasn't. I wasn't. As an editor, I was used to Fashion Week and to, right. to presentations. I yes. wasn't used to, I wasn't used to Market Week. Right. Where it's actually when, like, um, buyers have a budget. Yes. And they come um, to invest that in budget in the next seasons, no? So that's something that I lived for the first time. Even if I was on PR, that's something that I lived for the first time yeah. in Christian. I would As I was telling you, we were, like, all helping a little bit right. with everything. Um, but it was an amazing opportunity to... Um, here for the first time, so many names of the industry uh, that now are people that are close to us and that we work uh, we work with, and it was like you know it was. Uh, it was my first time working in the US so it was a big learn like like I came from being an editor a well-known editor in Madrid mm-hmm. and I came to start like a new career here in in the states I've never worked in English before I mean mm-hmm. I did speak right. English but you know it was the first time like Definitely. sending like actual work emails right uh, so a lot of words that I didn't know what they were and I oh was very gosh. slow on the email Now, <laughs> now I can send like 10 emails at the same time but uh, it was really it was you know it was very challenging it was. It was really interesting and um, it was great. Uh, As I said, it was a really good time for the brand. So it was excited to see how it was like little by little uh, growing around the U.S. And I got to share some time with him and it was an amazing team. It was, Mm. it was, it was fun. And I have a lot of shoes.
0: Oh, great. (laughs) That is fabulous. That's very very important. (laughs) Okay. So then how did you go from deciding, okay, I'm going to start my own line. And then what steps did you take to actually have pieces in your hands?
1: Yeah, in my case, it was really, it was really particular. Sometimes it's kind of hard to explain. Let's go back a little bit. So I was working as an editor Uh and I moved to New York, pursuing the dream of being an editor in New York. Um, I couldn't get a job as an editor immediately. So I started working at Christian. And after two years there it was like a sixth sense, like, you know, I was like, I kind of want to start my own brand, but it was, you know, it was a weird concept because it's, as we were talking, it's not something that I always dream of right? or, you know, I mean, again, there's no, there's no right time to, to start an, an entrepreneurship. You can do it, I believe at any time. If it's your dream, great. If it comes later in life, I think it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was a sixth sense. So my mom. So there's two key things. One key, and you mentioned it at the beginning. Um, it's my father has always had. Um, it was. It's been his hobby. He always had. Let's call it like an industrial workshop uh, since I was a baby. Like in all the houses we have lived, like in our beach house or like in the like actual like our like uh, main home, he always had from a small shop, a small workshop but that now is huge. Uh, but he loved. Creating new things, and um, you know we have like really big machines. We have like from milling machines to like wood cutters. Um, some of them I don't know the name in English. I'm so sorry, what? but like we have like it's like a serious workshop. No? Wow. So I grew up surrounded of these things. Like I've never seen anyone else in my house fixing something that it's not my dad or like you know I don't know. He has built tables. Like, our library at home was built by him We've done lamps, benches. Like, he loves doing furniture, but then he also loves, like, um, like other kind of projects, no? Uh, so I grew up with that, always, and I'm an only child. So I was like, you know, I had to divide a little time with my mom and then, like, do boy stuff with my dad. So, yes, I mean, I, I spent a lot of time with him in the workshop. So that's one thing that I think is key. And then my mom always wanted to work in fashion but she ended up working in, in, in finance. Um, but after she retired she started taking some jewelry making classes. Mm-hmm. So she's actually a jewelry maker herself. She actually built like she actually makes uh, the pieces for her, herself. So I think like all that mixed up and like you know it just sent me like a message and I was like why like I have I have all these I have the workshop, I have my mom. And I want to do something on my own. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, I just, I was like, I'm going to do this. So it was very organic. Um, The first collection, I honestly, I think I will say I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, It took me time, you know, like to research and to find my own style. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was there. It was inside me. Like now I see the pieces that I make and I'm like, wow, thanks God. Like I really... um, have the faith in myself (laughs) and the strength to, to, to do what I'm doing today. No. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it was, it was, it was challenging, but I started doing like my first few pieces in my mom workshop. She helped me making some of them. We have her jewelers started working with me. I did a lot of development with my dad. I mean, he's still my, my, my mentor nowadays. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, he's also like an amazing manager um, on his side. actual job which is not making these things <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he always told me i'm not gonna be making your jewelry monica okay i'm just helping you <laughs> to like understand a little bit more how things were built and like what's possible what's not possible even though almost everything it's possible yeah that's that's something that i like thinking when i'm building something everything is possible you just need to find a way to make it that it's functional you just and that's design actually like you know it's not like design it's not an easy road if you really want to get a look But it has to be functional too you have to do a lot of research and like i think that's also like a very important part of our brand like the whole engineering Mm -hmm. behind it yeah so all that comes from home so nothing it was very it was very organic my um my first store was five story and they found me i don't know how she found me i was like claire how do you do this like where i didn't even have a website i didn't do like a big lounge (laughs) You know, it was very, so it was very organic since the beginning mm-hmm. and then all the press tour happening and, like, you know, a lot of hard work, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it takes time. It takes time. Like, we we launched in 2012, but I will say, like, seriously, we've been out in the market for three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, showing in market, like, having, like, full collections and uh, with, like, a style that I can say it's really strong and unique. Mm-hmm. And, like, um you know, it can fit, like, the global market.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, yes. She has such a strong point of view, which is wonderful because I look at line sheets all day, every day, and if they, if there is a piece on that line sheet that is similar to another jewelry brand, that is, unfortunately, an immediate no. We cannot have copying <laughs> in this industry. And so I was so excited to stumble upon
1: yeah, this it's, line. Yeah, it's really interesting... As I was saying, inspiration, I love architecture. Mm -hmm. And um, everything began, as we Uh we were saying before, everything begins as a child in Venezuela, in Caracas, with, like, this, like, mid-century architecture. It's, like, really, it's, like, all over you. Like, you know, it's just, like, uh, as I was, like, when I was a child, I remember going to, like, the dentist or, like, you know, any, like, doctor appointment and everything would be like Corbusier in the room. Like, you know, it was, like, really, um, it was really... It was really interesting, and um, then I live in New York, so Art Deco, obviously, it's like a big influence for me. I always mm-hmm. loved it, but like being in the city, it's impossible like not to be uh, strongly um, influenced by Art Deco. And then I produce all my pieces are handmade in Peru. So um, I've been doing a lot of research around for Colombian um, TV stations for a long time now. So it's interesting wow. how everything started merging in, like, a very unique way. And I, I think I like calling my style now, like, pre-Columbian art deco, which is something, it is very unique, you mm-hmm. know. It's something that you don't see around, like, it's recognizable. And, um, yeah, I mean, and then it's, it's handmade. It's handmade. Right. So each piece is very unique. And, you know, each piece is not the same as the other one because right. when you're, like, doing something uh, with artisans and with your hands, you know, for example, in the case of this earring, this stone here, it's not the same as the other one. You know, every, mm-hmm. every little stone is different and all the stones are hand cut for each of the pieces. Also, when you're working with natural stones, mm-hmm. um, all the stones are going to have different colors. So your earrings are going to be a different red from mine. or like, Right. So I think that also um, adds like a big value yeah. um, to the pieces. So, yes, I love architecture. I love I love monumental uh, but I love feminine and flirty too. Yeah. So you know, it's it's a very interesting interesting mix. I think those are um, key words. No, like monumental, um, architectural, pre-Columbian, Art Deco. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very feminine. I, I I want like I don't like. To go to artsy either. I really, it really needs to f- still feel like you know. You need to feel like you're you're a girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So let's talk about the materials.
1: How mm-hmm. do you find the materials for the pieces in Peru? Okay, so we work we work uh, mostly with brass, um, and then we do this amazing inlay work. Mm-hmm. We work with all natural stones. There, are, most of them are sourced um, locally in Peru, mm. but then there's some stones like mother of pearl and everything that it's um, a shell yeah. comes from Ecuador, which okay. is right next to it to Peru, and then some stones like the jasper, for example, comes from, from Brazil. But we try to source them locally, no? We work a lot with onyx. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the new season we're working with white onyx, which <clears> I'm so excited about. Um, and yeah, it's been very challenging also to work with stones. My previous collection, so it's been for collections that I've been working with stones. Before that it was all metal, so it was like a big change. Yeah. Um, again, when I was saying like you know, looking for your DNA takes a little time, mm-hmm. Uh I never imagined I was going to work with stones. When I did my first approach to the idea, I actually had to change workshops because my first workshop didn't want to work with stones. Um, So it's been very challenging, you know? Like, it seems like something that it's easy for some reason, but... Um, for example, when you're working, let's use this as an example. No, when you work with um, the Jasper, this comes from like a huge stone. this big, you know. When you cut the stones, anything can be happening inside. It can be more red, it can be more white, yeah. it can be more black. It may be full of lines. It may be a little glassy. So it's like it's really interesting. Not every stone works for like the inlaid work that I do. Like you know, if you're working with a cabochon, you can go a little crazier. Mm-hmm. If you're working with flat like this, you need to make sure it's stones that. Um, don't have any transparency for example so you don't see the metal on there so the first collection was really hard it was a disaster but we made it to the stores yes. <laughs> it was really it was really hard it was really challenging even for like for 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 the workshops and the artisans we work with like think about it these are master jewelers mm-hmm. uh, that they've been doing this for decades and like generation from to generation but you are innovating with the artisans too I think that's another key um keyword for like what we do we innovate with Mm -hmm. our artisans we don't take what they already know how to do it and just put it in our jewelry we actually create new styles for them like you can imagine that my jewelers have never made this like huge like like ear flares like we do so they were really you know they were challenged too it's like something new and it's something different so I think that's also one of the things that I also enjoy the most about um about designing and about making this real with our artisans is like the whole like innovation huh? yeah. with them yeah.
0: pushing them outside of their comfort zone
1: yes yes and they push me out of my comfort zone like, oh, good we're we really like you yeah. know it's, a, it's really interesting it's really it's really interesting yeah
0: okay so walk me through the process of designing a collection and what are your lead times mm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the lead times are what they are <laughs> so it is I think that's it's, it's one of the things or probably when you're starting in the business, as a designer, as a buyer, as a, um, as a designer, as a buyer, as anything in the business, it's really important to understand how the calendar works. Okay. And it's really challenging. You know, the timings are there. Right. And you have, it's not flexible. Basically, you know, (laughs) so you need to be very organized, first of all, (laughs) and you need to make sure your team understands the importance of. uh, I think that's one of the harder things for me working with artisans, even though we are really we have make it to be really organized as a small um, as a small company. So for them to really understand that I'm not just in a rush because I want to be in a rush. <laughs> oh, right. You know, it's like you have to to work around the time. And so, yes, you have to divide your season into having time to design. Right. Having time to develop at the same time that you're sailing the collection that yep. you designed before. Yes. So, you know, it's about being, it's about being organized. But as much as... as one of the things that is really important, like as a designer, is to also understand that you need to be flexible with yourself too, you know. So many things happen like in between one season and the other. So, you know, it's like you just need to make it happen. I don't really know how I make it happen, but it might happen. Okay. You know, to, you need to be organized, but it's 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 very challenging to mm-hmm. have the collections ready on time. It's, yeah. you know, most, pro- like most probably for market, everything is like kind of put together, but it's, it's not perfect yet. But then for production, it will be perfect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so designing, uh, I'm very private with my design process. It's very hard for me to share Well, I'm, you know, I think one of the things that I'm good at, it's at visualizing. So when I have an idea, I can really visualize how it's gonna look at the end, and I think that's really what makes me makes possible for me to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, There's so many steps. Like I'm really, I would like to say that I sit down and just design, but I'm actually like I'm, I, as I mentioned before, I love the sensation Mm -hmm. of like being moving around so not just traveling i like i love designing in the subway for example i don't know it's something about the rush of the city and the people and the energy yeah. that really inspires me i love that and like i don't know i have my best idea of probably like walking around like you know or like traveling if i sit here in the office and try to design i probably won't be able to do anything you know right. so it's 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 for me it's that it's like a melting pot of of things that i see around and like they you know they stick in the back of your brain and then one day You have an idea, you realize where it came from, no? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm designing constantly, honestly. Like, I don't, you know, when it's time to put the collection uh, together, you actually put all these ideas together. But I'm I'm designing, I will say, 24-7. It's like my head, it's always, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, can you stop thinking about an earring? There's, like, not an earring there. It's just, like, you know, it's art or it's food or, like, just enjoy the moment. Right. (laughs) But I'm designing, I'm designing constantly. Yeah. Um, I'm designing constantly, And just, yeah, like three months before market, it's time to sit down and make it happen in the workshop. Also, as I said, my pieces are very sculptural. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's hard to design like on a a program, like in design or like it's good to make some flat designs and to play around with the colors and the stones. But to actually make a piece, I need to sit down in the workshop uh, with them, you know, and like uh, talk about weights and lengths and like, you know, Everything is so important, like the position where the pose is going to be so that right. earrings look good. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of manual work in the workshop um, uh, at the time of, of developing. And then nothing, just, you know, pushing everyone together uh, right. until you get a final product. But there's so many people behind the pieces. I mean, I'm the real artists behind it uh, are my, my artisans. Um, so to make a piece, first of all, of course, you need the raw materials. Right. Then you work with the jeweler to, to work around the metal. Sometimes it's not just one jeweler, maybe it's two of them, because we like to brainstorm, as I was saying. Like, you know, um, we need to innovate. It's pieces that have never done, been done before. So um, first is that. Then for the stones, we work with a stone master. So the pieces, the metal goes to the stone. They have to work around the stones. As I said, they have to cut the stones in the exact size mm-hmm. um, where it belongs. You know, for example, this circle, I didn't bought the circle already made. Like the circle right. was made, like custom made for this piece. Mm-hmm. Um, so after the stone work, it's done. It goes back to a workshop, to a metal, and it goes to polishing. And then after polishing and tweaking, it goes to the gold plating and then it comes back to a workshop and we do the final touches. So, you know, it's a really long process. Like there's, there may be like 10 different hands behind each of the pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's 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 a long process. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. OK. And then do you sketch
1: out the pieces? Is it designed on a computer? We do both. OK. Um, I personally like sketching. I don't know to use any programs, <laughs> but I have um, I have my team yeah. in the office that are like you know come from design school too, and like they they're, they're really good with uh, with uh, in and these other projects. So it, it is helpful, right? It is helpful, especially to visualize. Like now that I work. Working with color, it's not easy either, you know, like yeah. to put like a color combination together right. that really works. So I really like using the computer for that, mm-hmm. uh, to see in like, like more of like the finishing of the colors. Mm-hmm. And then for the jewelry, I really, I really like sketching. I'm old school. Like I like paper magazines and I like mm-hmm. sketching, but definitely technology is helpful and yeah. it's important, you know? Um, uh, but we do a lot of sketching and in the workshop they use a little bit like computer, but mostly also like sketching. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I'm so glad that she said that about production because as department stores and retailers, we sometimes have these deadlines. And if the designer doesn't, Well, also the designer gives ship windows. So Mm -hmm. first of all, if they're not, if they don't meet the ship window, unfortunately, sometimes the buyers are directed to cancel that order. And also even for the season past a certain date, we can't accept any more orders. So it is so important for you to get those goods to your stores on time.
1: Yeah, it is. It is really important. It is really important. It's something that you need to make understand also, that's what I was saying. It is important for your team to also understand why, you right. know, these timings are important that it's not, not just because <laughs> you want, but it's like a whole, Right, know? we all depend on, on each other, no? And like, it's important to be on time. So I don't get cancellations. They don't get cancellations. We try to always talk to our retailers so they understand a little bit like the product, but it's, you know, it's, it's, I think it's very challenging as designers. Like, the timings are very challenging as designers, you know? Especially, again, when you're working with, with artisans and, like, you're working abroad, you know, you're not there all the time. Even though you have a production manager, it's not the same as you being there. So it's, you know, it has... Giving me some back pain in the past. <laughs> the stress from from delivering. Um, really? We're delivering as we speak. This this time of a year, and we're also getting. So we're delivering for winter eighteen right now, and at the same time we're developing spring summer nineteen. Yep. So it's like everyone is in Europe, and everyone's like, "Oh, are you going on vacations?" I'm like, "No, August is like the worst month right. of a year for me. Not the worst. It's like you know, it's it's so." amazing to see your pieces finally on store right and it's so amazing to be presenting your new collection but it's a lot of stress oh yeah it's a lot of stress to make everything everything happen so you know but then everything it's in stores and everything as well for another 4 months and yes. then it starts again
0: okay so when you're designing a collection do you have to be in peru so how long are you there sitting with the artisans do you have to go each season
1: uh i go a lot um, I was there just three weeks ago, checking on fall, mm-hmm. winter and starting, uh, the process of spring, summer, 19. I go, yeah, I go a lot. I go like six times a year. Okay. Sometimes I spend a week, sometimes I spend two, sometimes I spend three. I've been going for a long time. So it has become like a second home to me too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a business, uh, travel, but it has also become a place where I can stay for longer time, be productive, work. Um, I have other side projects in Peru, too. I do the curation for a store for the Mario Testino Museum. Um, I'm working with uh, young designers there, too. And, you know, it it has become, like, a really, a place where I like spending time Mm -hmm. besides the workshop. But, yes, I need to be there. As I was saying before, that extra push to really put the things together and make them, them happen, especially when you're developing, like, a new product you know once it's production they know how to do it and it it, it moves on but when it's something new you yeah. really need to be in each of the steps taking decisions it's a lot of it seems like sometimes it seems some, like something so simple but there is a lot of decisions that you have to take you know and you have your constraint with time so it is important I like being there as much as I can you yeah you, especially to train them like now I've been working um with this group of jewelers for almost two years now. So, you know, we are in the same page. We are aligned and they understand me very well. I'm really happy, really, really happy. But it took me a long time to get where I am, you know? And that was a lot of, spending a lot of time there. Mm -hmm. So um, it is important to be around. And I really enjoy it. Like, you know, it's, for me, it's really important to spend time with them. And like, now we really, it's like, that's what I was saying also about working. I love team working also because we grow together as right. a creative team. So same, same for like my creative team who I've been developing my campaigns with um, since, you know, well, it took me a little time to get to them too, but now, now we work together every season and it's like we can read each other's minds, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel like that with my workshop nowadays and like with the team that I'm working with and that takes time and dedication. A lot of time and dedication, Mm -hmm. you know, they have become part of my family. And yeah, we can, I feel like we can read each other's mind at this point. Oh, good. That's really good. Before it was like, oh my God, what is she talking about? Right. I'm like, yes, I want to do this. And it's going to go up and down. It's going to have stones, but the stones have to be flat. And they were like, she's crazy. And I was like, no, 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 they don't think I'm crazy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. So let's talk about your life as a designer day to day. What are you doing? What are your responsibilities? so
1: everything <laughs> so yes my responsibilities we I always said like it's you know it's something that um it's very common but like I do have to wear a lot of hats in yeah the office different hats and um I think one of I like talking always about challenges mm-hmm. no and like <clears throat> yes managing so many people has been a big challenge it's right. something that I grew up around, both my parents were managers, so I grew up, I'm very successful and respected one. So I grew up, I think my background is really important to how I, I manage my yeah. my my people, my vendors, my employees. And um, again, like the whole teamwork, it's really, really, really important to to have it on point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is, I do everything, Didia. It's like, it's a lot of, it's yeah. like my, my normal day will be, I don't know. There's not a normal day in my life. Right. You no, know, there's not like, I cannot tell you, like, I do this from this to time, this time to this time. Right. Like, you know, it's always like, um, you're always against the, the clock. Everything is for yesterday. Uh, yeah. So you try to meditate as much as you can <laughs> <laughs> and go through your day. Uh, but yes, I do a little bit of everything in the office. Um, I have one full-time member with me here in New York and she's amazing and she's really helpful and we both like support each other and like take all kind of responsibilities you mm-hmm. know so in the morning I come in as a the, the, the creative director but like two hours later I become my product manager and I'm in the phone with Peru, mm-hmm. and then I become my I don't know uh casting direction i have to cast the models for like the campaign and then we go back to production and crying a little bit and being on the phone with peru again and um you know then you go to your computer and you have to book your tickets for paris you have to find the perfect showroom in paris and then you know it's like it's like a mix of of everything no um but I, i i like everything and then of course the time of like Receiving shippings and mm-hmm. opening boxes and checking. For example, last week we were we receive our, um, we receive our uh, first batch mm-hmm. of production, and I do personally always check each piece myself. Yeah, like one by one. Nothing goes to any store if, if it doesn't go through my eyes first. Mm-hmm. So, for example, last week this office became like you know a quality control central kind of. Yeah. Thing. So we put the tables on away and like you know we all see it. And everything has to go through, like, everyone's eyes before it goes to a store. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, it's very, I love it because I get bored very fast. So definitely with what I do, I don't get bored. <laughs> because there's always something new uh, to, to learn and, like, to take care of. And there's, there's things you enjoy more than other mm-hmm. ones. I don't like numbers. Uh, that's not what I enjoy the most. You're really good at numbers, I'm guessing. No, you're not. <laughs>
0: I, I've had
1: to become good at numbers. You have to become. Yeah, me too, me too. But there's things that you like more than others. Right. No? But it's always like a little bit of everything every day. Mm-hmm. I think it's really important to... Um, I try every morning, and this is something that I do. Every morning, one of the few things that I do every day is to make a list of what I want to achieve every day and try to stick to it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, of course, there's always things that are going to pop up around, but I think it's very important, no? Yeah. Especially we as women, we like like multitasking a right. lot. So I try to not multitask that mm-hmm. much because then you're like all over the place, no? Right. So I think it's really important to for me to make a list of everything that is happening in the day so I know that you know. I know that what's, what's happening, what's mm-hmm. coming, you yeah? know? So like you're in the right state of mind, um, for each activity. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. So speaking of numbers, how did you learn to start and grow a business?
1: I'm really bad at numbers, but, um, I think again, I think, I think not, I'm sure <laughs> the fact that I started my business, um, when I had already some experience, like, um, in the industry mm-hmm. was key. For me to know which steps um, were more important, um, I think first of all having a good product and like exceptional quality, it's key for you to grow, especially when you have like. Um, Limitations, You know, it's mm-hmm. like you don't have a big investment from the beginning. I think it's really important for your product to be good, you know, because if there's a lot of money, maybe it's easier to push a product, even if it's not that spectacular. But I think for me, it's been key to focus on my product, mm-hmm. uh, to really understand the market that I want to be in and to really understand who's my target client mm-hmm. and, um, and work around that, you know, and that has led me. Uh, had this sort of like organic flow as a brand and little, little growing until like our biggest achievement, which is being in Barneys <laughs> with you guys. And it's something that it was the right time for it to happen. You, I think it's important. I think growing organically, it's also good, you know? Mm-hmm. So you don't get hit by like big orders without being ready, not just as a designer production, but also uh, you need like, to have a budget like if you're gonna be you know cash flow no mm-hmm. let's say so I think I think for me it's been key to grow organically grow uh also the capabica uh, <laughs> uh, also grow the oh my god I forgot the word sorry what is the uh, the context? Capa- cap- capabil- no, capability? Like the capability, yes. So, to grow the capability of my workshop, so now oh, I yeah. can respond to your yeah. stores. You know, so it's all and it's something that it needs. It need you need time to find the right people and like the right vendors to work with. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, that's that's key. Like a unique product, uh, knowing well your market. And um I think growing organically it's nice. Mm-hmm. You know, of course at some point you wanna like do that big jump, but I think growing organically gives you the time to for you know to I like building things strong. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't wanna just I don't like running. I like Yeah, you know. So I think I think that's been key uh to grow as a business, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about your involvement with the CFDA. <laughs> yeah, last year was a big year for us. Um it's really, first of all, it's 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 a big achievement, especially as a Latin designer in the states. Yeah, uh, to be part of the CFDA and to be part of this community that I wasn't part of before. You know, I mean, New York and the states have always been very welcoming with me. I've been coming since I was very little, but the fact of being part of this group of talented American designers—oh well, not all American, right. but based in uh, with a business in the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's like a dream come true. Um, yeah, less, as I was saying, last year was a big big year for us. Uh, we we started. Um, we were accepted as a CFDA. We started working with Bornies, and like you know, it all came up came together. In, you know, we started working a lot with Vogue US as well. You know, it's like finally we. You know, we be- we became part of like yeah. of something you know, mm-hmm. here in the States. So it's it's really amazing. And again, as I was saying before, I love one of the things I really, really, really enjoy it's getting to know other designers and like sharing with other yeah. designers. I wouldn't have been able to do this by myself. Mm-hmm. Like sharing experience and like being with people that inspire you as well as creatives, it's like key for me to like keep keep going, you know, right. you know like We're all like, it's like we're all holding hands, like, we can do this. Um, You know, it's nice. You share a lot of um, great things and happy moments, but you also get to share, like, you know, as we were saying, we all have production issues. It's not just me. So the fact that we can share our experience, I Mm -hmm. think it's it's really, really important. And that's what I really love about um, an institution like the CFDA. It gives me opportunity to meet other designers Mm -hmm. and to embrace each other and uh support each other, no? So it's it's really important. It is really important for for institutions like the CFDA to exist here in the States and like uh abroad. I'm very pro now all the fashion summits are happening around the world because I think it's really important to have the opportunity to have the opportunity to meet other creative, which you normally, maybe if you live in another country, like, we are so lucky to be in New York. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, there's a lot of things happening here all the time. Everyone passed by New York, like, every single one. So mm-hmm. I have the opportunity to be here full time and, like, um, grow all this, those relationships. Mm-hmm. But for other designers that maybe are in smaller cities, like, being able to be part of, like, a group. That you can relate to even if you don't live in the same city, I think is really important. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm explaining myself, yeah. but like I think I think that's that's key. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm very I'm very proud and honored to be part of the CVA. Well, okay.
0: congratulations. Yeah. That Thank is you so a huge much. achievement. What Thank a big so year much. in
1: 2017. Yes. And mm-hmm.
0: then so what advice do you have for someone who is thinking about starting their own line?
1: <sighs> Keep your expectations low. I think that's very important. And as I was saying before. First of all, having a good product, it's key. If you have a good product, like Mm design-wise, look-wise, quality-wise, and you know where it belongs, that's already, like, you have the first step done. Check. That's key to success, no? Uh, Then, um... Constancy? Constancy? Consistency. 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 Sorry, my English. No, <laughs> your, your English is wonderful. Uh, so consistency, I think, is really important. You cannot expect for things to happen from one day to another. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, As I mentioned before, uh, you need to develop your collections and you need to evolve in your collections to get to a certain point that the product is strong enough and mature enough to be in the global market. So that takes a little time. I mm-hmm. mean, unless you're like genius which they are geniuses around there but you know what I mean if you need to give yourself time to find um your very unique and strong look and um and you yeah you need to be consistency for me it's like another keyword so those two things go uh very well together you know the rest there's a lot of other things that can help but these two it's something that depends on you Mm -hmm. you know like your creativity, your design, your quality, and your consistency—no one else can do that for you. So, I think that's that's that will be my 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 biggest um yeah advice. Wonderful. advice. Thank
0: you for listening to the Style That Binds Us podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We would love it if you would go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe. The best way for us to know your thoughts. Is if you rate and review the Style That Binds Us podcast. This will give us the opportunity to know what you'd like to see from us in the future. Follow along on our adventures on social media at the Style That Binds Us, at Allison Brune, at Delia Folk are our handles. Until next time.